You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house for the second time today on Thursday, August 3rd. Yes, this is the first time we've done two episodes in one day. This is episode 135, not to be confused with our first episode, 134, on the history, true history of immigration. And the reason why we did it is, like I told you, I, I, I could put out five more today. Uh, there is just so much to talk about. And as you all know, I promised you guys a long time ago, I'm not just a writer, a talker. I will actually do everything I can to talk to the people I know to implement these ideas, to raise awareness of what's going on in the courts, what's going on in immigration, what's going on in foreign policy, what's going on in healthcare, And, and on all those issues, all the aforementioned issues, we really stand at a crossroads where we could do a lot of good things. Even with the fundamentally transformed country, even with the problems we have with dependency in this country, with the left being so crazy, there is a tremendous opportunity if you properly message some good ideas, we can get a lot of things done. Um, This doesn't mean to say that I've uh, lost my mind from last week where I told you this party is irremediably broken. It is irremediably broken. I'm working on that as well. Um, We're going to have our buddies from the Federalist Party back and, and discuss a long-term path. I've had conversations with some conservative members of Congress about this. But for now, there really seems to be one positive note that I'm seeing from the White House is that they really care about what conservatives think and say about them. And that's a good thing. And we're finding that when we praise the good things that they finally do in a meaningful way, not just a tweet, to actually get behind a piece of legislation like they did with the Raise Act, uh, they're very receptive to it, and they make note of that. And when uh, they do liberal things and we ignore it, well, they don't feel the pressure. But when we pressure them, they feel it. So watch out for another thing. Watch our guy, Jordan Schachtel, our foreign policy writer. Uh, H.R. McMaster is the biggest problem, the biggest problem right now. Um, if I had one political bullet to fire, there's a lot of shallow state liberals in this administration. That is the one that needs to go. That is a linchpin to... Uh, getting rid of the current pro-Iran, pro-Hamas foreign policy that we're seeing. Literally, you know, Obama's legacy continued. There's not a single conservative at, at NSC now. So he's got to go watch for that news. We'll have a lot more on that. Uh, but I wanted to get back to health care. And I promise you that we're not done with this. I, I said a while back that I believe there are things we can do beyond Obamacare that actually address health care on the supply side in a holistic way, much like I said in my last episode, how immigration is not all about amnesty. You know, I don't agree with amnesty, I'm just saying, but even the issue of amnesty is kind of a distraction. It's more fundamentally, what should immigration serve? What should it look like? Same thing. We've discussed everything in this debate except for healthcare itself. We haven't discussed it. We discuss insurance. And as I noted a couple couple episodes ago and you know we had dr keith smith on we had dr kevin wakasey really gotten to the nitty-gritty of how to fix health care um just from a private sector standpoint but 
the problem is we need at the end of the day we need elected officials that understand this, understand how to fix healthcare care, understand how to message it. Uh, because it's not going to happen on its own because the the playing field is tilted against us. We do not have a free market system. We need to create it. Um we need to allow it to to take place. And I could tell you there's a lot of frustration. I spoke to a prominent conservative house member last night for for a very long time. Uh, which is why I'm so tired, because <laughs> then I had to spend some family time after that. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of discouragement, and people are looking for ideas how to get around the impasse, how to actually unlock this thing. And like I told you many times, the notion that you're going to move on from health care to tax reform is is nonsense. I mean, it, it's it's t- taxes is is not nearly the issue that healthcare is as it relates to our economy, private debt, public debt, uh, prosperity and liberty in this country, and certainly health, just delivery of health, which is that's life and death, and we we kind of forget about that. And anyway, um, a friend of mine, just to introduce our next guest, a friend of mine. Oh, uh, two weeks ago, said you got you got to get in touch with. Representative Jim Butler from Ohio State Legislature, and you know he's really championed a lot of these ideas. And I gave him a call last week, and was just lamenting all these, uh, you know, the lack of leadership in Washington, all these ideas that we could be promoting. And this man seemed to have a piece of legislation for everything I was saying, and then some more. And I was like, "Wow, we we need this in Washington. There, there's not a single member of Congress, even the ones we like, that I could really speak to on this level." And that we need to fill that that leadership. So I figured, what better person to bring on to give us some guidance um, on how to fix healthcare on the supply side, particularly what we were talking about is price transparency um, and several other ideas. So with no further ado, it's an honor to bring in, um, you know, Representative Jim Butler represents the Dayton, roughly the Dayton, Ohio area in the Ohio State House. Uh, a real standout, kind of like you have the Freedom Caucus on, on a federal level. He's uh, really leading the way on health care and other issues in the Ohio State Legislature, which is no e- easy task given who the governor of that state is. Um, he was a, 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 a Naval Academy graduate, uh, fighter pilot. He was an F-14 Tomcat fighter pilot, um, and then somehow managed to become a lawyer as well in his spare time. Um, and his wife is a practicing physician, which seems to have given him so much knowledge on healthcare. Hey, uh, Jim, how are things going? Going well. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You no, know, really appreciate you coming on. Again, our, our audience, and we're growing by leaps and bounds. And, uh, you know, they really appreciate moving beyond Comey, Russia, the, this thing the media said. Why don't we chart our own path? What do we actually believe in, aside from we're not the media? but then we kind of support the media's policy outcomes. What do we actually believe in as conservatives? What's our vision on healthcare? And that's what we're giving over. And I want to start, if you could um, just give our listeners a brief overview of what you've passed in Ohio, starting with, let's start with the Ohio, um, the Medical Price Transparency Act, just broadly what it does and how uh, John Kasich and and the hospital cartel stopped it. Well, um, you're absolutely right on your introduction. There's very little to no talk, uh, and, and I'm a, a watch the news all the time. You know, pretty much a news junkie um, about the actual cost of healthcare. We spend 19% of our GDP uh, on healthcare. Uh, the next nearest country, the United Kingdom, spends 12% of their GDP 
Um, that is just an absolutely massive amount of money. We only spend about 3.2% of our GDP on the military, so we could triple the size of our military with uh, just the, the the waste and the excess money that we spend on healthcare. And nobody's talking about why it costs so much to deliver healthcare. And we're, you know, as a country in a free market type of system, we should be better than the, than all the countries at delivering healthcare, more efficient with a higher quality. And we're the we're the absolute worst. Um, and I think everybody everybody agrees with that, but nobody actually wants to talk about it. And most of the reason is, especially in politics, um, that there are huge campaign donations, hugely powerful lobbies, both in D.C. and for me in Columbus, um, that uh, pressure members uh, to not even get involved with this, and certainly never to ever even think about why uh, what we spend on healthcare is so expensive. So um, in 2013, uh, as many of your listeners probably know, um, Governor Kasich expanded uh, Medicaid under Obamacare um, and went around the legislature. And during that time, we developed uh, an alternative proposal. So that way that we weren't just saying no, we, were, we had our own ideas about what a comprehensive healthcare reform package would look like, um, where we would be so efficient um, and save so much money in the delivery of health care that we would be able to provide uh, health care to a lot of the vulnerable populations that Governor Kasich was talking about. We put, we put that forward in 2013. Of course, uh, he didn't, he said, no. package we brought back in 2015. And part of that package um, was health care price transparency. Um, lots of, even the the uh, hospitals, insurance companies, and pharmaceutical companies say they all every day. Of course, they always say they're for transparency, um, but they're not. So they come up with uh, different schemes that will uh, that look like they're doing something on transparency. Of course, this is what politicians do all the time. They just look like uh, they're taking action, but they really don't want to take any. Um, but <clears throat> they put forward these various schemes or diverted various uh, you know good, well-meaning efforts at transparency and all around the country. Um, at it, which is why we don't have it. We don't know what the costs of healthcare are when we're going in for our MRI scan or for a procedure beforehand. <clears throat> so we very simply said that if you are going to get uh, healthcare, any type of healthcare service, and it's not an emergency, then your healthcare provider will give you a good faith estimate up front, just one good faith estimate for whatever you're scheduled to get. Um, and in fact, in a free market system, we get that with everything. We get that for car repairs. We get that even in medicine for things like LASIK eye surgery. Um, and when you compare the uh, inflation rate between all medical care and LASIK surgery, since you know, we've had that for now for a couple of decades, um, the LASIK surgery rate, it's almost it's lower on an absolute level, not even adjusted for inflation. It just costs less. It's like a you know, computers, everything else that works so well in the free market with higher quality and lower cost, um, when you have price transparency and skin in the game, because LASIK surgery had, you know, was out of pocket for many, many years, most of the time we've had it, um, versus probably like uh, 1,600 or more percent since, uh, since then compared to LASIK surgery for the rest of medical care. So <clears throat> when you don't have transparency, when you don't know what you're spending, um, that's what happens. Of course it does. So we said that that was what would be required. And I actually, when I introduced it, I didn't have high hopes because of the power of the cartel um, and, and their lobbying uh, abilities. So, um, but, but because actually back to what you were saying earlier, 
um, I had just run for Speaker of the House, and we have a group similar to the Freedom Caucus kind of in Columbus. Um, because we were, were such a good, tight group, we were able to use our uh, numbers in order to make sure that price transparency and other, another proposal, Healthy Ohio, that I'll probably talk about later, that that actually passed. We said we're not voting for the budget <clears throat> unless um, this actually becomes law. And so over the strong objection of the Senate and uh, especially the governor, um, that it actually did become law in 2015 and was supposed to be implemented in 2017 at the beginning of this year. So <clears throat> this is a – And, and right, did, this, right a, did, did this pass right. unanimously? And it passed – yes, it did. It passed unanimously. Uh, the reason why we had a separate vote on it was it's at literally 2 a.m. the night before the vote, because this was part of the, our main budget in Ohio – um, even though they had agreed to keep it in and, and it become law, they took it out. They stripped it out at 2 a.m. and then threatening war is what we had, you know, we did. Uh, it was going to be open rebellion in our caucus. And back in. Uh, and so when they put it back in, uh, it was unanimous. It was unanimous. Um, everyone said great things about it and it became law. Uh, of course, they, 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 you would think they would have to because I think everybody, every American, says, yeah, of course, we deserve to know what the prices are beforehand so we can make an informed decision about what we're spending our money on. Like everything else in society, we should at least get that. When so it's so not you're, you're talking about something that is it's true health care reform. Um, we're talking about insurance all day, and insurance is really part of the problem of why you know the insurance companies set the prices back in, in the back room. No one knows about it. They uh, they come in and there's no shopping around. And because the the patient is not the consumer, that is why it's so expensive. So the talk, were, you know, that the whole debate over, oh, the price of insurance and the price of the government so-called insurance programs for the you know public sector and the people that are on the programs, that's really just downstream from the fact that the price of health care is so expensive because of those third-party payments. So you are solving the core problem, which is even better than kind of just repealing Obamacare and addressing the insurance issue. And you're saying this was unanimous. So, you know, they always talk about bipartisanship and, you know, your governor and his allies um, like Lamar Alexander, Bob Corker, Orrin Hatch, they're all talking about the need to work on bipartisan health care, which means one thing, bailing out the cartel. Uh, and you right. actually achieve this. So then why isn't it law and why don't we have great health care in Ohio? Well, it is law, but um, so as soon as it passed, there was supposed to be a process to draft um, that uh, the, the administration, the Kasich administration, um, they promised that they would undertake. And we put that in the law, that they would have to draft the rules. And so that's a very common thing to do so you can get uh, pe- you know, patient input and different groups and make sure you cover all the specifics and you keep it really general in the law. So the law itself, uh, you know, is, is one page. It's, uh, you know, just says you have to get these uh, price estimates up front. Um, but, but a lot of the specifics were for, for the rules, but the governor's administration that they promised and gave their word that they would draft these rules. They refused. They immediately set out to sabotage the law. Um, but you know, in, in our interesting party meeting saying they didn't support it, that this was, this was all done with a gun to their head, which, you know, like we were unanimous and the governor signed it. So uh, I don't know why they would say that. But um, they then when the deadline came in July 1st of last year to draft the rules, they didn't draft the rules and still have not drafted the rules. Um, so they they their whole strategy this entire time, because we gave them a year and a half for the healthcare care providers to get ready to provide these estimates. Their entire strategy 
was just to try to repeal the law legislatively. So they lobbied hard to do that. Go ahead. So I was just going to say, so he has a mandate, the governor, Governor Kasich, to faithfully execute Ohio law as the executive. He doesn't do that. But meanwhile, he faithfully executes, you know, the federal edicts on on a Medicaid expansion, which he doesn't even have to do, according to the to the courts. And, um, you know, worries again, it's all about the 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 people on dependency and, and ultimately like we always say it's really not even so much the people it's the cartel mm-hmm. whose pockets are lined the hospitals and managed right. care that administer yep. that's really where the lobbying's coming from um but then that's the people the, yeah. the average consumer is cut out that's right that's the way and that unfortunately that's the way it is on many different issues that you discuss and rightly you rightly uh, raise and, and point out but and this is this is what we, in Ohio and most states we spend more than half of our budget on Medicaid, just Medicaid, wow, not even more than half. overall healthcare. More than half, especially now that we've had Medicaid expansion. Our just costs for Medicaid have gone up since 2013 by about 50 percent. More the, more the, than the, half. I'm just I'm just yeah. thinking. You know, as we're talking, you know, we talk about on the federal level how bad it is, and all of the healthcare programs. You know, together is represents the biggest expenditure. It's it's just shy of a trillion on a federal level healthcare programs. Um, the federal budget is close to, to four trillion, so that's about twenty five percent. It's it's going to explode in the future. And you're saying just the Medicaid program alone is half the state budget. That's right. Yep. So so that's why this is such a it, it's a simple idea. Um, it's a concept that everybody's for that we we should get. Get our get the prices up front. When I say get the prices up front, I'm talking about not just your out of pocket, but this is there's a there's a million different ways they try to divert efforts of transparency by either putting it on a website saying you should post all your prices, but when they you know they post them, it's basically meaningless information, um, or they they only do it in select circumstances. Like if you have a patient asks for it, then they'll they'll say okay, we'll give it to you then, but they they know that nobody ever asks for it. Um, so, or they'll just say, well, we'll just give you your out of pocket costs. Um, and then they'll structure the insurance so that, that, you know, a lot of, or if it's Medicaid, of course, there are no out of pocket costs, but, um, it's, that's not a, that's not true transparency because you don't know exactly what the cost of the procedure is. You have to be able to know what that is. Um, and that's what this does for the first time ever in the country, you get, um, like you get in every other thing by every other good or service. Um, you get that upfront estimate of what the actual cost is going to be, what the insurance uh, company is paying, if there's an insurance company, and then, then what your out-of-pocket is going to be. Essentially what you see 30 or 60 days later in your explanation of benefits, but in a much more simple package. But but um, the so key you is you're saying you would cost. have to see that ahead of time rather right. than you th- them going in a back after. room. Well, but certainly, yeah, going in a back room, but – you know, you're you can't shop if you're if you're getting the bill 30 days later. How could anyone do that for anything? You know, if I'm getting my car fixed and and, I, and they say, well, okay, and it's not you know, healthcare and car repairs are not exactly you know not the same thing. I mean, there are differences, of course, but the concept is the same. And that you go uh, and get your car fixed, you have no idea what the cost is going to be, um, and then they send you a bill 30 days later. So how could you ever shop around for you know to, wow. for a tire rotation or whatever? I mean, that, that's that, that's a what really our good thing. System is. That's a really good analogy because my wife and I were actually just doing this today on our Corolla. Um, we need front brake pads and uh, an engine belt, a couple other things. And 
you know, you call up and you ask for an estimate, you shop around. Um, there's right. no, and, and, and the, 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 what I like about your analogy is that it, it is a pretty close fit because you do have insurance with cars. It is, you have that concept, but it works properly because you shop around for prices, you get them prospectively, and then you could decide if it's something, I mean, in this case, it's not a, you know, a car crash with body work, but, you know, um, so it doesn't cover it, which is partly why the prices, they're, they're, they're not cheap, but they're not crushing. Um, but, you know, then afterwards you could say, all right, here insurance company, I know what the bill is. This is what it is. I have the leverage. What are you going to do for me? Um, and then you decide whether you want to submit it or not. If you could please take us following along that, that analogy, let's, let's go to hospitals. Um, we'll put in our show notes and let me just make a note for myself. So I don't forget, um, the, the Vox, Vox news of all the places, uh, not Fox, um, right. you know, is, it is left wing, but they, they did a pretty good job. They had a staff writer whose wife was about to give birth and they put a, yeah. put on a funny video. I know you saw that. Um, yeah. It just showing the absurdity of someone who wants to price out a very simple, um, you know, what, what you would hope a simple delivery of a baby without any complications and how they couldn't find it either on the provider side, the hospital side, or the insurer side. If you could walk us, because this is a very common thing that anyone with a family is going to is going to want to go through at some point in their life. You're going to have this. If you could do, you know, just break it down in layman's terms, what exactly happens under the current dynamic with the price fixing? What your type of bill would do? And then what the fake transparency bills do, because that's very important that that we, we want to get exactly the right fix for this. Well, uh, the price differences are just, I mean, completely ridiculous. Anyone that would see, um, especially hospitals, you know, they're, they're charging uh, for a delivery. Um, they could charge twenty thousand um, dollars. And, if, you know, another hospital just across the street might charge five thousand dollars. I mean, completely nonsensical pricing, not completely not free market pricing. And what ultimately happens in, in all these different backroom situations, and you're absolutely correct, that's that's really what they are, is the hospitals and the insurance companies are are back there negotiating. The insurance company, this is really a, a thing that's that's not really well understood at all, uh, even on the national level. The insurance companies, um, they are incentivized to actually have higher medical costs. Um, as long as they can pass that premium along, which is what they're doing, you can see, you know, we know we all see these giant uh, price increases on the uh, exchanges by all the insurance companies. The Ohio just came out uh, yesterday and essentially they're 20% every year going up 20%. So as much as they can pass along those increases in premiums, that's good for them. And, and not it's good for them anyway, because the insurance companies make money like banks do by how much money they have going through them so they can invest it. Mm. But also part of Obamacare was they can only spend um, uh, up to 20% of all the money that comes in on their administrative costs, which is their salaries, like the things they like, like offices and all the different expenses. And then they have to spend 80 and sometimes 85% on uh, or more on medical costs. So whenever you're doing something like price transparency that actually will drive down medical costs, then they, who are already spending a certain that, that 20% on administrative costs, have to cut their own salaries. 
their whole their their whole business operation is going to have to to be cut um, because of that um, Obamacare limit. So they don't want that. They want to increase the medical spending so they can increase their own business operations and make more wow. money on the administrative portion. So they actually are sitting in the back room of the hospital, and the hospital says, "Okay, we want to increase the, the price for delivery, you know, from uh, twelve thousand to fifteen thousand. And as long as they can figure out how to do it, then they're just they're going to say, "Yep, yeah, no problem. We'll we'll pay for that." Because that's ultimately going to help them as long as they can pass along their uh, increased medical spending costs through the through premiums. And because we're a captive market now under Obamacare, no problem. They do it. That's one of the the, the fact that insurance companies are no longer fighting for their patients are no longer or their customers they're no longer fighting to keep costs down they're actually all on the same side that with hospitals and pharmaceutical companies and and, uh, and the medical industry to keep prices high that's why they're just especially they've always been high they, you know and that's because we don't have a free market but now they're just really accelerating and that's the problem. Um, and so that's and that's only one of the problems. Sure. And so you're uh, saying it's not just the cost of the insurance going up. They through that they are bidding up the price by price fixing the the healthcare. You know, a lot of people thought you know the HMOs. Um, you know, it's a, a managed care. The whole point was to keep costs down because they're on the hook for it. But but right. uh, you know, as you noted, they have an they have the ultimate bottomless pit pocket is almost like a public utility in the sense that yep. a you have the boot of the government requiring that the entire country purchase your product then you have the yep. de facto um requirement that every employer do it well at first it is a requirement yeah. a business over yeah, 50 legal. people but but then even right. without that we had the original sin long before obamacare of um right. telling employers that you know if you give an extra fifteen thousand to your uh, employees and salary, well, that's going to be taxed. But if you divert that to the cartel's product, well, then that is tax-free. And um, that is worth roughly $300 billion in annual revenue, tax revenue as a tax expenditure. To give our listeners some sort of a perspective, um, the biggies that we always talk about, uh, mortgage interest deduction, state local taxes, and charity, those are in the 60 to 80 billion a piece range. This is 300 billion. So they they have a bottomless pocket. Obviously, the all the subsidies, the subsidies to the state, to the consumer, now the cost sharing directly to them. Um, so they're not worried about covering their uh, their their obligations if they bid up the cost so high. Right. And it, that that's absolutely the case. So you have a huge price discrepancies between from one provider to the other. And if you have price transparency, of course, patients yeah, as consumers are going to go to the more affordable option as long as they have some skin, their own skin in the game, too. Uh, but even if they don't, uh, typically they'll just be rational and want to get a better, better value. But one of the other uh, issues that really it's very uh, uh, rarely understood in, uh, nationally is that hospitals can charge a facility fee, which is sometimes and oftentimes actually uh, three times the amount of the underlying procedure. So uh, a different analogy, uh, because hospital deliveries are typically done in hospitals for uh, maternity, but let's say x-rays. So you go to your local doctor, you've been going to your doctor forever, and you go get an x-ray, and the x-ray is $30. So, and if you go to the hospital, um, they'll charge you $100. Um, and they'll actually get compensated by Medicare and Medicaid and all the commercial insurance companies uh, for that higher amount. And, and that higher amount represents a facility fee that's paid 
two hospitals originally uh, because we wanted to have hospitals back a long time ago before all this stuff came about in the, in the 60s um, to make sure that hospitals were accessible by the public. But now it's gotten out of control where um, you see all this giant hospital building everywhere because they can charge so much more for procedures or services that are done um, independently um, in, in local doctor's offices. They can charge so much more and you get so much more from the government. And even more, this is the worst. So you, I'm sure your listeners around the country have seen hospitals just buying up and taking over uh, all the local doctor's offices yep. or your uh, freestanding, you know, uh, labs. We just had that happen in, in our, in, in my area um, or your scanning your MRI, uh, freestanding MRI, all those different facilities are being bought up by hospitals. And, and that, that is because if they just buy out somebody, they can charge the facility fee. It doesn't even have to be at a hospital. They just have to own the service provider, the healthcare provider, and then they can they can then increase their price by 300% and get paid for it. Wait, and so I want to take this slowly. I want to take this slowly because th- this is a very important point and I want to go back to the price transparency, but this is, um, aside from the price fixing and the cartel with insurance companies that's able to, you know, gouge individuals and there's no shopping around, you're saying there's, there's an added element as to why hospitals in particular are so expensive. Now, what you're saying with the facility fee... Look, you know, if you want to, let's say you have a different, um, you know, going back to the car analogy, um, you go to Toyota dealership, you go to a a car dealership, they're often a lot more expensive for repairs than, you know, your smaller tire shops and whatever. And and look, you have the right to say, I have a grand, great, amazing facility. I want to charge what you charge. And that's fine. But what you're saying is it's the boot of government intervention that's doing this because Medicare and Medicaid are the 800 pound gorillas in the room. And so they dic- they basically dictate the market reality by saying, all right, you know, same service. If you're a practitioner privately, you get this amount, you're in a hospital, you get, you said what, as much as three times or 300%, 300%. So it's not a $50 fee necessarily. It's a, it's 300%. Um, so therefore, if you're Mr. Joe and Jane Smith wanting to give birth, which, you know, shouldn't be rocket science in this day and age, you know, it's not something that should cost several thousand dollars. Give me a break. Um, you know, the, the medical profession and the cartel would love to make you think, oh, no, this is this is really special. You don't understand. You need you need the cartel to pay for it. You couldn't afford it on your. But no, you should be able to come in there. But you can't um, because Medicare and Medicaid, you know, they talk about taking care of the poor. But, you know, as as I and we'll link to this in the show notes, I put out my Medicaid reform plan, which would say you could give people the same amount of money, spend the same amount, but it will never grow. And more importantly, it won't hurt the pricing market for everyone else not being subsidized because you're not lining the pockets of the provider and the insurer to sustain that price inflation and dictate it. Right. And that's and basic skin in the game. That's what we need in the whole in, in all of the medical service industry, but especially in Medicaid, uh, where they're, you know, Medicare, they pay 80 percent and they can get a Medicare Advantage plan. But Medicaid, they, you pay nothing. There's nothing ever out of pocket in Medicaid. So if you don't have skin in the game um, and transparency, then you're never going to have any type of free market force there for you know, reason for you to shop around and choose the, the best quality um, and lowest cost product. Um, and that's what's been, that's, that's causing 
so much the uh, medical inflation that we see. Again, you just compare it to something like LASIK surgery or uh, dentistry is, is partially like that because the insurance and in dentistry stops after 1200 or 1500 hours. So you, it, you see the, the, the complete differences in transparency and, in, and ultimately then in medical inflation when you have the transparency and the skin in the game from, from the patient. So completely with you on that. No, definitely. And insurance is the problem. So, so let's continue the analogy here. Under your bill, let, let's contrast, you know, someone wants to find out, uh, you know, I don't know your area too well, but, you know, the Cleveland Clinic. They want to go to the Cleveland Clinic or University Hospital in Cleveland. Um, and, you know, they, they want to, the, the wife is seven months pregnant. They want to price out uh, just a basic delivery and maybe a couple of contingencies. How would that work? What would they do under your bill? And, what is the fake way that the American Hospital Association is trying to, uh, you know, channel the transparency movement to, towards? So the requirement would be because you're planning it. Um, it's not like, you know, that you, could be considered an emergency if you haven't priced it out and you're just going to your, your nearest place and you're not going to get a price estimate when you, you have to go sure. somewhere, obviously. So that's excluded. But if you're actually pricing it out and you're saying, I want to, I want to, uh, we want to have our delivery here facility. How much is it going to, you know, cost? The law would require, like it does for car repairs in Ohio, um, them to give you what their costs are going to be, what they're going to charge, um, and it has to be specific to you. Uh, that's the other problem. That goes to the fake transparency. But for your service that they're going to give you, that you're that you're potentially scheduling with them, then they're going to give you what they're going to charge, what the insurance company will pay if you have one, and then what their out of pocket is going to be. Um, that type of an estimate is uh, it, it obviously very basic, very easy. They actually do it if they uh, recognize or they, they can see that you have a huge out-of-pocket, say it's a giant deductible of $6,000 that you haven't used any of, and you're going to be on the hook for that amount. They, they actually do provide exactly what the law requires um, because they want to get your credit card up front. They want you to pay up front. <laughs> Um, so they, and, and they always argue, we can't do this. This is impossible. We can't possibly tell you what the costs are. The insurance companies won't tell us. We'll be on the phone for days or weeks. Um, and, and sure enough, that box, um, video that you're talking about, they, they don't tell their providers what the costs are. So if you are calling, uh, calling around, they legitimately don't know. Now they make sure that, that their people don't know. My wife, as you mentioned, is a physician, can never get the prices either. The business office people, they make sure that those prices are not available. This law will make sure that every time you're going to get a specific a service that's specific to you, um, without you having to ask, you're going to get that estimate up front. Um, and the reason why that's so important is uh, a lot of the times the way the cartel will divert you is, well, we'll just post online our prices. Uh, and that sounds great. Uh, it would be great if it was everything was out of pocket, um, to some extent, but that's not the way our system is right now. Um, but if they just post their prices, what they're going to do is they're going to post general things. Um, like, you know, you're going to feel, you know, your analysis for a lab, for example. Um, well, there's, a, there's a, probably over a hundred different types of tests that you could, that you could get by just saying your analysis. And all you know is you're getting your analysis. So if you're trying to peg, you know, to peck through on the computer and find out what, um, test you're going to get, even if you know, and most people would never know the specific thing that they're going to get. 
or we're going for an MRI scan. There's a there's a ton of different MRI scans that you could potentially get. So the cartel knows that, and they'll put this information out there, and it's only what they charge and not what they get actually accept or would accept in your situation or what your out-of-pocket costs are going to be. It's only kind of this general charge, and they'll say, hey, look at us. We, we're engaging in transparency, but for the, they know over time that patients will go to these sites and, and get frustrated, even if they go to the sites, most won't. Um, but they'll, the, if the ones that do, they'll go to the sites, they won't be able to find what they're truly getting. And then when they get the bill, it will be drastically different than whatever they tried to figure out by using these sites. So that's one way they do fake transparency. The other way they do fake transparency, and this is present in nearly every state in the country, is in some form or fashion, <clears throat> they'll just, it, it won't be a tool. It'll just be, we're, we're going to post our, our common uh, common services prices or we're going to post an average of the costs for radiology, um, whatever it is, but they'll put a whole bunch of data on a website that no matter how skilled you are with the healthcare industry, you could never decipher and figure out what your costs are going to be for what you need to get um, if you're going to go to that hospital. So, so, so let, let so, me stop you right there. So could you take, you know, pick up from there? You know, if it's so complicated, so then why is it so easy and not an onerous mandate, you know, to place on hospitals or other providers um, to show their work and provide it up front? What what tools do they have? And if you could just talk a little bit about CPT codes and charge masters and what you know what that means. Yes. Yeah, so um, the one thing that the provider knows, the patient doesn't know, and even the insurance company doesn't know until after the fact is exactly what they plan on doing for you at your appointment um, or if you're requesting you know to, to get that lab or that MRI scan or whatever it is there's a CPT code for it there's in this, these, these codes um, and there's a there's a diagnosis code and then there's a procedure code but those codes are very complicated but the but the providers know exactly what the code is because they have to bill for it anyway they bill for it on a regular basis and I talk to lots of providers and if you're going to a doctor's office or at the hospital, um, it's, it is incredibly easy for them once they know um, why you're coming in uh, to put in the proper CPT code, send that through a computer program that, that actually automatically communicates with an insurance company and to easily spit out the very patient-specific estimate that's simple and easy to understand that can then go to you. And that, that's relevant information to you. What they like to do on fake transparency is to give you irrelevant information. Uh, because you'll get frustrated, it won't work. You'll stop looking, um, and and it won't it won't deter you from coming to their place, deter you from getting that actual service. There are a lot of services where, I mean, you can put it off for for six months, or maybe you can put it off indefinitely, uh, or that you can shop. So if they're giving you irrelevant information, that suits them very well, especially if you have these huge price discrepancies. So <clears throat> that um, that type of uh, because of the CPT codes are readily known um, by the, 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 those in, that are going to provide the service, and everything is now computerized, so there's no need to call anybody or do anything. It all flows seamlessly um, to, to be able to generate the estimate. And back how, how long when I was, do you think it would take if I called up and said, you know, could you price out the CPT codes, you know, because they'll break down every little thing, but they have it for a regular delivery. And the, right. you know, yeah, po they do. Post they, how long would that take? How long would that take? To give you the, to, to give you the CPT code, it would take seconds. It would take them 10 or 15 seconds to actually tell you what the CPT code is. 
And, and then to, to, to put to, together, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how big is your, because I want to get to this mandate concept in a minute, but, you know, what the sure. law does and it, how how uh, invasive is it? You know, how um, how big of a deal is it for, for them to provide this this to you? And, 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 you know, say a doctor's office, you know, nobody likes the hospital cartel, but, you know, everyone likes their small doctor. Oh, but, you know, is this, is, will this create a lot of paperwork, a lot of time um, to provide such information? It doesn't when you have the software, the way the law is set up now. Um, and there are ways to make it even more efficient so that, that that would not be the case. But knowing what the CPT codes are and then putting it into an you know, insurance portal or a software product um, is, is not a big administrative burden. Now, I, as especially my wife being a doctor, understand the incredible amount of administrative burdens that are put on, especially your you know local physician or healthcare provider because um, we have every every program you can think of that the government can think of that doesn't do anything except drive up costs and increase frustration and you know time that they're not spending with the patient. I completely understand that, and we can get rid of a lot of those. But this one, which is very minimal in terms of the amount of time that would need to be spent, is absolutely essential to our healthcare system because we, like, as you mentioned in the lead-in. We do not have a free market healthcare system. Um, otherwise, we would already know what the prices are, and everybody everybody would be able to go in and, and shop around now. Clearly, that doesn't happen, and it's not going to happen um, if we continue the way we're continuing. So this is a way. Yes, it's a mandate. That's true. I'm not typically for mandates, sure. but this this is this is a way to make sure that we're taking what's not a free market system whatsoever, and we're putting in free market strong components to be able to, to have a, very, a much, much better system without having to pass a comprehensive sweeping reform bill through Congress. Um, you know, this is something that's already the law in Ohio um, now. And I, I didn't get to the part where <clears throat> after failing to repeal the law, um, the, the cartel that helped the hospital industry and, and several other provider groups filed a lawsuit um, and they filed it in the smallest, least populated county in Ohio they could find with only one judge on December 21st, right before Christmas. Um, and they immediately got an injunction because uh, everybody agreed. And, and when I say everybody, you have the, the people doing the, you know, the plaintiffs suing are the hospital and the healthcare industry. And the other side is Governor Casey, who's also wanting to repeal the law. So big problems with that lawsuit and the way that's working out. Um, but so, they so were able th to This get is kind of like, um, you know, when the left sued the Obama administration on DOMA Defense of Marriage Act, well, they agreed with them, so they didn't defend it. And that's it's too unsettled. It's, it is a, I think, a, a, a very big threat to our constitutional republic, our system, our, you know, our system of government, where one branch of government can unilaterally um, get rid of a law by, by cooperating with their cronies um, to make it happen. And that's, what hap that's what's happening right now in Ohio um, in this case. Um, so they were. They then agreed to an injunction to last all the way through this recent budget period. Our budget period goes from January to June um, this year, where the governor proposed his budget, and then his proposed budget was a repeal of the price transparency law. Uh, we were able to successfully make sure that didn't happen, and now the budget passed and law is remaining in place, and now the lawsuit is, is going on. But I am uh, very concerned uh, with the adequacy of how, how much we're going to be fighting for the law when the, you know, the governor and this administration who 
need to draft the rules and still haven't drafted the rules as just as one example, but, you know, proposing to repeal the law is a pretty good sign. I think that he wants to get rid of it and now he's supposed to be defending it. I got, and I have some, some uh, very strong concerns about that. I think our attorney general should appoint an independent attorney to represent the state. So I've been trying to make, make that happen also. Sure. No, I mean, and that's, that's the legal battle in Ohio. And, but, you know, looking ahead, to kind of replicating this on a federal level. And, and I agree with you, um, and I've told my listeners this before. Uh, you know, as far as calling this a mandate, and I don't believe in mandates, it's like spitting in an ocean, right? And, and let, let's just put doctors and labs and pharmacies and other smaller providers uh, just put on a shelf for a minute. But the two 800-pound gorillas in the room and what you're requesting from is, is insurers and, and hospitals. They are public utilities, the way they're operating. They have the boot of the, obviously, the individual mandate. You have to purchase their product. I mean, this is yep. like, they're like Freddie Mae and Fannie, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, mm-hmm. So I have no problems putting restrictions on Freddie and Fannie. Um, but, and, and this isn't even a restriction the way you operate. You could do whatever you want, post whatever you want, just just show your work like we do in any other industry. Um you know, just a couple, uh, just last week, I saw the Energy and Commerce Committee, federal, you know, federal level, the House Energy and Commerce Committee was marking up a bill dealing with uh, just the nitty gritty of restaurants posting their nutrition facts. I mean, this is not pricing. This is already getting a little bit more invasive of a mm-hmm. mandate. And that's, again, and this is at a federal level. You were doing it at a state level. This is at a federal level. So, I mean, th- this is essentially government run. Government created the problem. They created Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, MACRA. Um, you know, that 2015 law, which we actually scored against and no one else did, um, that the tremendous administrative work, they have made it not a free market. Now, we're not going to repeal those things through the front door. We've learned that. This is the only option I feel to reverse engineer this and say, you know what, if you're going to get, and and I I think this is a good transition and uh, there's 50 million things I'd love to talk about, but I know we're out of time. Mm -hmm. I want to at least get to get to one more and work a little bit more on the hospital reforms you have. Um, you know, j- just a sense of how the hospitals double, triple, and quadruple dip. So they don't pay taxes because they're non—they're considered nonprofit stewards of the state of the public good. Okay, mm-hmm. then um, as you noted, they get bigger reimbursements for what they do. They get um, the massive Medicaid expansion, which is supposed to just just lines their pockets, and that's why you have cranes and construction at every major hospital chain. Um, then, in addition, they're keeping the original payments that they got for um, treating the indigent and those that walk in, even though the Medicaid expansion was supposed to handle that, so they're double-dipping there. Uh, They have the regulatory structure in many states to box out competition. So by golly, could we... I mean, from a a conservative standpoint, don't get religious with me and say suddenly, oh man, I don't want to require them to post their prices. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it is uh, it's a good time to own a hospital, you know, right now. But like anything, though, and they should be very concerned. And I told them directly this: um, you know, they can suck all the money they can out of it. And they, well, they are. I mean, they're doing their best, and and uh, and they're not nonprofits. They're businesses that are trying to make as much money as possible. But eventually, that day will come to an end. Eventually, uh, we're not going to be able to sustain our system. It'll come crashing down. And because they're so over leveraged, because they're building a, they're building these palaces that you know with grain pianos and marble waterfalls and everything else, um, and spending so much money, 
when whenever they stop making so much, whenever the, just their increase in how much they make every year um, on a percentage basis, when that starts to go down just a little, kind of like China, um, they're, they're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, and we are going to see, I think, a bubble where they're going to come, because they'll definitely come to D.C. and they'll say, we need a bailout, and they'll probably get it. Um, and that, that maybe that's their strategy. But this is a system that's, that is not sustainable. Um, and, but nobody is putting forth any, any ideas, any proposals to actually make it sustainable. All I ever hear is, uh, let's just spend more money on it. Let's, like, that's what they're doing now, you know, as you mentioned earlier in D.C., is how do, how do we figure out how to spend more money and stabilize Obamacare? Um, so it's, it, is a, it is a very uh, scary situation that we're in as a country because our healthcare system, as I mentioned, is 19% of our GDP with many very good people who are working in the healthcare system. Um, and unfortunately, the people that are in the back room, as you mentioned, um, are, are heading right off the cliff. No, I want to move on to just a couple of other ideas you had and and to talk a little bit about competition and why you know why you don't see innovative uh alternatives to hospitals on a lot of things. So you, you know you have the Oklahoma Surgery Center. We had Dr. Keith Smith on last week to discuss certainly the way he's just revolutionized a lot of the bone surgeries, knees, hips, shoulders, hernia, all, all sorts of things. Um, you could do it in his outpatient uh, places, and and there the prices that there there they are straight up flat rates with no complicated coding, um, and you know especially if you have health sharing associations, you know health sharing ministry plans, which we've talked about a lot. You can completely cut out the cartel, and you know you could actually have direct payment through that, but without personally having to be on the hook for ten thousand dollars, even though it's ten thousand is a lot cheaper than the fifty thousand in the hospitals. But why don't you have, you know, let's say I want to, you know, give birth somewhere. And I know you have, you know, outside of the natural birth crowd that has their their way of doing things, why you don't have these specialty hospitals or where you could kind of just have alternatives? Um, what, what do you think the barriers to that are in most states? Well, um, as you mentioned, obviously there are, everything is rigged in favor of whoever has the most money and power in terms of making the laws and putting forth the regulations. But one of the, and this is a, there is a movement also for direct patient care um, around the country. And that, that is similar to the Oklahoma Surgery Center um, in some senses, but you have the, of course, you have the essential health benefit requirement where insurance comes, if you buy an insurance policy, you can't get a insurance policy that only covers you, you know, in a, in a catastrophic situation. And the rest of the time, you'll just be out of, out of pocket. And you might as well be because a lot of the plans these days, you know, with a $12,000 deductible, I mean, basically that's where you are. But the insurance companies throughout all of, of buying even a huge deductible plan, they put their fingers in the healthcare system and they say exactly what's going to happen. Of course, they, as we talked about earlier, they don't, they don't have an incentive to make the system run more efficiently. Their incentive is only to have more money flow through, through the organization and for them to spend as, as less as, you know, at least as possible um, on actual people. So they're, they're, uh, they're going forward in, in, in terms of the amount of help and, of course, paying the hospitals a lot of money. But they, when they put their fingers in it, they completely mess the system up. And this is with so many providers out there um, are, are, that tell me on a, on a daily basis – Having to practice medicine right now 
and deal with an insurance company all the time and spend 30% of your time on the phone talking, probably not even talking to um, somebody who knows what they're talking about at all, who's not even uh, in the same specialty you are, um, as just one example for like a prior authorization or something like that. I mean, they have so messed up our entire healthcare system that they, they have create, made sure that the law requires uh, or allows that when they come in and they use their purchasing power and say, hey, look, if you want, you know, Aetna to cover you uh, or Anthem or whoever, then we're, uh, we're going to make sure if you want our patient that we're going to stick our fingers in your practice and dictate every last thing that you do. Um, and that's good for them, bad for us, bad for providers, bad for patients. So if there was a way um, through direct, a direct patient care model to allow for competition in the insurance marketplace so that you have truly what insurance was supposed to be in the first place, which is if, it, if this is a really bad thing that happens to you, um, you know, if you have car insurance and you get in a big wreck, you know, homeowner's insurance, if there's a fire, I mean, you have a, a, a big thing that happens, that's when you need insurance. For your daily things, for your routine things, then we don't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have insurance. Uh, there should be a way that you can just have that. If you want, you don't have to. You can buy the, the full bells and whistles insurance policy if you want, but you should at least have the choice to purchase an insurance um, plan that just covers the catastrophic situations or whatever innovative thing they can come up with. They wish we should be innovative. That's what we're about in America. Let them innovate. Let them let them offer a lot of different types of plans, and then you'll see the direct patient care model where you're paying everything out of pocket, and then we have LASIK surgery uh, example where the quality is going way, way up. The cost is, is not going up at all because we have complete competition, complete shopping, complete transparency. That um, was, again, a very small change that will at least need waivers, but if not uh, changes in the law in D.C., I think we need changes in the law. But that would be uh, ideally the way our system would work the best because we'd, have, we'd be consumers. The consumers would, would be in charge instead of the cartel being in charge. And, and and like we see in every uh, other, every other aspect of our economy, uh, you know, the quality goes up, the prices go down when that happens. Uh, real quick, we're almost out of time here. What are some other, I know you got you got like 10, 10 good ideas here, but what other ones do you think that you're working on in Ohio are relevant for conservatives to push on a federal level? Well, um, <clears throat> one of the things that was... Uh, and this is still this is something I think with Seema Verma at CMS, um, who I respect a lot, and she has she had a lot of good ideas and really pioneered things with Mitch Daniels in Indiana. Um, having more skin in the game for for people who are getting government assistance, you got to have that. Um, if it's Milton Friedman, you know, says it best. I mean, if you if it's other people's money and not your money. Uh, you're gonna, you're really not gonna care that much. It's not gonna be a free market type of system. So we actually, I mentioned before, we had two reforms that we passed. One of them was transparency. The other one was based on uh, what Seema Verma did with with Mitch Daniels in Indiana, uh, which was healthy Indiana plan. This is, and it's tossed around about healthcare savings accounts and that type of thing. But this program in particular deserves a lot of attention because um, what it did was not just create accounts and have that happen, but it's structured incentives so that, yes, you're paying a very modest premium. And in our, in our law, that's, that was the, the law, it is the law in Ohio, you are uh, paying usually $2 a month at the most <laughs> or, or less, depending on your income, just $2. That's it. So that still means a lot because if you have to send in $2 every month, 
even that totally modest amount of skin in the game, um, they've shown, they have the data to show in Indiana, because they did this from, from 07 to, to 2014, it totally changes behavior. And so what they did was they incentivized the program so that their state portion that they pay in um, would roll over to the next year, and you could use it to pay for your future premiums. So that's the incentive if uh, you obviously watch what you spent and, and conserved your money, um, but also if you went and got your preventive, required preventative care. Which, which they didn't charge for the first 500 bucks. So the, the, the most, there are a lot of amazing statistics from, from that experience, but the most amazing was that the level of primary care for Medicaid patients, which is traditionally very, very low, um, went higher than commercial patients. Higher, basically, they, they broke the record of people going and getting their preventative care. And we know that that's the, the, the least expensive thing in the healthcare system is that if we're healthy. Um, and, and so that, that having the incentives in place, it's not about charging premiums. It's not just trying to, trying to say, you know, some say that's personal responsibility, whatever. No, it's about having incentives throughout the healthcare system where you have this, where you have skin in the game and I, and for, for everybody else, some skin in the game is always good. Um, but having that skin in the game and then having the incentives there, um, I think goes a long way. <clears throat> and in Ohio, we added something I think is really, really important. That wasn't in the Healthy Indiana plan, but it's so important that that we um, that we uh, put in, which was your account can that you can accumulate money year after year. Um, this is like uh, education savings accounts, which are which are going around uh, now also in various state legislatures. But you have your account; it builds up money, and then when you make more than the eligibility level for Medicaid, right now you got to pick bucks on the Obamacare exchange. And basically for no coverage. So it's a huge disincentive to make mm. just a little bit more money when you're right at that level. When you're, you know, you're working poor and you're going to, you want to get a raise or you want to work that extra shift, um, it's, you basically shouldn't do it. It's, it's not smart to do that because it's going to cost you way more than you would get by making that little bit. And so you have this benefit cliff. And what we do in the Healthy Ohio program is have <clears throat> all the money that you accumulate, which is really not money because it's all through Medicaid becomes an actual healthcare savings account that you can use to pay for your premiums and your out-of-pocket costs. And it could be up to $10,000. So it, it, it would last, you know, could potentially for uh, years so that you have a bridge and we call them bridge accounts to get when you're coming off of Medicaid and making that uh, extra, you know, extra money, that you're not going to get shocked with all these, you know, this huge expense because now you're on the Obamacare exchanges, which are worse than anything. Um, and that way you can come up and out of Medicaid and not have this disincentive. So it's about incentives. And that's what the, on a national level, um, having that type of, a, of an option, at least available um, for states to, to easily access. Um, I know that uh, CMS and, and CMA Verma, they sent out and Secretary Price a, um, you know, letters to the state saying, please offer your waiver requests. And interestingly, in Ohio, we put into our budget this time, you need to reapply for the waiver because we sent it to Obama hmm. um, last time. And, and actually, <clears throat> uh, my, my understanding was the, the Kasich administration wanted him to, the, to, to uh, deny it. Um, and he did in record time, <laughs> in like nine days, of course. Um, but then now this time we know it's going to be accepted. And so we put into the budget, you need to reapply for the Healthy Ohio waiver uh, with CMS, and, and he vetoed it. So there you go. That shows that he and, clearly doesn't want to do it. And his, his Jim, reason, 
his you're, you're kicking was, me off. <laughs> Man. He, his, his reason was, and he put this in his veto message, well, we already tried it last time, so there's no hope in them approving it this time. So, which clearly they would because the actual architect and President Trump obviously would approve the waiver. So he vetoed it. In the House, we overrode his veto, and we're just waiting for the Senate to override the veto, uh, hopefully this month. Wow. But, but, it was, but, but the fact that he vetoed it was, and, and that he used as an excuse, well, they already denied it. You know, Obama denied it, so why would we try again? So pretty amazing. Un- un- unbelievable. I mean, it just, it just boils my blood because, you know, here in Washington— um, you know, I take a lot of flack. You know, yesterday, uh, a conservative review, everyone went after us for what we said about Jeff Flake and our scorecard and everything. And, you know, it's like we're like these insane right wingers trying to just do revolutionary things and not pragmatic and a purist. I'm, I'm like the chief purist in the country. And what's so sad is that it doesn't come from a place where they actually, you know, you have a certain pragmatic idea and disagree. It's all coming from a very insidious place that they're bought out by special interests. Nothing that you and I have been talking about this past hour is even partisan. We didn't even mention abortion or guns or any. Oh, no, not at all. And, and, and we didn't even mention the fundamentals of dependency. That is it really the role of the federal government? Should we have this many people? We're saying that we could pretty well have the same amount of people, the same amount of money at least up front at the beginning and if you actually a lowered the cost on everyone by having price transparency having a market i added my health sharing association so you cut out the cartel altogether it works like a market like everything else and then you have the public sector like that too where you you give them the money that they need better quality better care less stigma um and it won't hurt the rest of everyone else it won't um you know enrich the cartel and, uh, you know, the other the other big thing with Medicaid is that w- when you have the cartel involved, up to 60 billion, 60 billion in Medicaid fraud, up to 10 percent of the program are fraudulent payments is a big case in in uh, Florida, a nursing home case. Uh, they defrauded Medicaid out of a billion dollars. And again, it's not so much from the you know, the poor people, so to speak, the applicants, it's, it's coming from the managed care and the provider side that, that gets it. And, and uh, you know, under this system, you, you cut out a lot of that garbage. All right. And that's, and that happens. I, of course, I see that in Columbus, but you definitely see um, a, 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 a effort to help the people, to directly help the people instead of the special interest. And there's only a minority of the people in both parties that are for doing that. Most, most of the people um, in government, um, I wouldn't say all government, but you know, especially the higher up you go, um, they're really much behold, very much beholden to the special interest and putting the special interest over the people's interest. And, and, that, and that, interestingly, with price transparency, um, they're from, from various groups, advocacy groups out there, uh, we have from far left to far right who are for transparency and are fighting for transparency. Um, so it is, it, it is amazing. But the common thing that, that binds us together though we disagree on, you know, obviously a lot of different things, but I think both in this case for transparency, you, know, you have well-meaning people that are just fighting for a, a better system a, a something that's going to benefit directly exactly. benefit the American people. Exactly. Instead of benefiting you, you, could have, special interest. you could have 75 
we have 75 million people on Medicaid. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable, you know, as a conservative, that's an unbelievable disgrace. But all right, you're a liberal, you, used to, you think that's amazing. But there's a difference between subsidizing a colonoscopy, an EKG, EKG uh, um, you know, an MRI at a few thousand dollars or a few hundred dollars. And, and, and it goes up and up and up. Cut out the middleman, cut out the cartel, and then a lot of the disagreement will become much smaller because you a you have a lot more both in the public taxpayer dime and private sector to take care of it, which is why mm-hmm. I want to and I, I'm really violating our regulations here. I'm going way overboard. I've kept you a long time. One more no, thing I want to get to because we have so many other good good ideas, but one idea. What I want to talk about your idea on indigent care. You know, we uh, what the left always does is they, you know, it's, it's the arsonist being the firefighter. They'll blow up a sector. They'll raise the cost. They'll destroy options. They'll box out the private sector's ability to function for both, you know, paying people and then also certainly poor people. And like, well, are you gonna allow people to die? Huh? Huh? You need us. And uh, what are some of the things that if you didn't have the government tilting the playing field, what would you naturally have spring up um, in terms of the civil society, states and communities taking care of the indigent? And how does your bill foster that? Um, well, this will this is something that we'll be introducing. We haven't introduced it yet. Uh, it's part of our bill package, so it'll be a separate bill too. Mm-hmm. But what it does, and I think it will be the first of its kind in the country, is set up structured charity uh, care centers. Now, we already have charity care, of course, and there's there's been various uh, proposals out there, but most of it is on a very, very small scale. And so the, the, you know, the hospitals and the healthcare industry in general, they're not even, they're not worried about that. They've really pushed them to the side. And now, as you mentioned, I mean, everything is, is Medicaid and, and, uh, and, that, and the government interceding. But if we use the uh, incentives that we can offer to set up essentially charity hospitals, again, you know, I should say again, because we used to have these two, actual charity hospitals. Um, so having, having that set up where um, the, the, the facilities are wraparound service, kind of like a VA, but hopefully without a lot of the, the issues that VAs have, where you have a very low cost, um, you know, you're not paying people millions of dollars for the executives and the administrators. In fact, we put a limit that you can't pay more than what the uh, government pay, the government pay schedule. So you'll save a lot of money there. Um, if you are volunteering, this is another problem, is a lot of uh, providers out there, it's hard to volunteer very much. So, but if you actually, um, under this proposal, if you work there full time or part time, then you'll be able to take a uh, tax credit of the difference between what the average price in your field is and what you're getting paid, which would be a lower amount um, at the charity facility. So that way you have that uh, aspect and you have the very, uh, you know, uh, appealing aspect of not having to work with the insurance companies (laughs) because anybody can go to these things. There's no insurance required. Uh, You just walk in and and they take care of you Um, and think about all the money. If you look around at all, how much, um, money just by looking at the offices even that the insurance companies have. I mean, all of that money um, can't be what is necessary to just to provide care to people. There's no reason to have that, especially when you have the Medicaid managed care companies, the Medicaid insurance companies 
Um, you know, in our area, exactly. Make huge. charity, charity. Yeah. Make it, the best right. way to give. That's been my thing. The best way to give a handout is a handout. The problem with with um, healthcare government programs is it's. It, this is not the debate over dependency. It's a whole le- new level. It's that you're using it to distort the entire healthcare market, destroy healthcare in America, the the quality, the pricing, enrich the cartel. So just set up charity hospitals and 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 done and then everything else is a market don't mix and match them where you have the 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 private market being the government market the government being the private and 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 you're just having the insurance companies run both the private and then also medicaid and this and that um and that that's a good point about it anyway we are well out of time here oh my gosh but um thanks so much for all your time and uh oh no 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 thanks for having me on would love for you to come back as some of this stuff heats up walk us through things again folks that was representative jim butler ohio state legislator um wellspring of ideas and i'm going to take a lot of these ideas to a federal level and 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 see what we can do and and you know this is what we're all about we're going to move on Next week, we will be back. Who knows what's going to blow up by then. Um, CRTV, you got to get your subscription. Mark Levin has taken things to a new level. You should have heard him on immigration. This is He is just promo code Horowitz, 89 bucks. More content than you know what to do with for the entire year. Anyway, God bless you all. Till next time, this is it, the episode that you want to listen to of The Conservative Conscience.